Hi, and welcome to The Well Exchange, where we talk about how our spiritual reality impacts our business, our relationships, and more. On today's podcast, we're having a more in-depth discussion on duty and obligation in response to some questions that we received from our last podcast. For more information or to connect with us, check us out at thewell.exchange or on Instagram at thewellexchange. All right, well, let's, let's get started. So yesterday... We recorded for 45 minutes, and it didn't record. That didn't go well. Mm -hmm. That sucked. It sucked so bad. And it was super late, though, too. I think that was probably part of it. Like, it was too late. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Oh, well. We're here today. Here we are now. It was just a dress rehearsal. (laughs) Episode (laughs) 3.2. Episode 3.2. We actually postponed what we were going to talk about in this episode because we got so much response from the last... Yeah podcast we'll talk about that in a second no we won't always tell me a joke i don't know that was the joke that was just it sucked last night (laughs) are you gonna tell your i have a fantastic joke that is always a winner boys laugh it's inappropriate can i offend some religious spirits yeah it's inappropriate Mm -hmm. but not in the way that you would think it's inappropriate but it's perfect because we're getting (laughs) the animal this weekend so tell the joke (laughs) so here's my joke and i i have a story i was at the air force academy and your sophomore year attending attending the air yes, force academy was like i was attending visiting. the air force academy in your sophomore year we're interviewing for like different positions and roles that we want to take on in the squadron and so i was interviewing as like the morale and support person so i basically wanted to plan the party so that everyone would you know have great morale and help people when they're feeling down and you know do events around that kind of thing and have, like barbecues and basically create community are we surprised i I didn't know that part yeah so i was interviewing for morale and support that was what i wanted to do and um so i was sitting in this interview and it's you know the air force academy is 80 percent men 20 percent women so you have to have something in your back pocket that makes them laugh especially when you know you're interviewing so anyways this upperclassman was interviewing me and he's like can you tell us a joke like you want to be the morale and services pastor like you have to be fun can you tell us a joke And so this is the only joke I know that I have remembered. This is the only joke I've known. Um, And it's still my go-to to to this day. And it's, what did the egg say to the boiling water? What? (laughs) Sorry it took me so long to get hard. I got laid last night. (laughs) And they were laughing. And I said it deadpan, just no actual like facial reaction which i'm still learning um especially in canada sarcasm and when you're being sarcastic you have to be able to, like smile when you do it as opposed to where i just i deadpan i don't have a great sense of humor in a, you you actually have a great sense of humor you have a terrible delivery i have system. a terrible delivery anyway so this room of upperclassmen like they sat for a second and then just started rolling laughing because they it's a very unexpected dirty joke like what did the egg say to the boiling water like oh gosh how is this going to be dirty and and we all had a great chuckle, and then I got the job. Mm-hmm. I, I was hired, hired, you're not really hired, but my job Selected. in the squadron was morale and support. And so I got to plan parties and all the fun things. I sent out all of these letters to all of their parents that their parents would mail in like surprise treats, their favorite treats for like our Christmas party. It was really fun. You're so great with that. So I was really great at that. What do you mean was? I still you're am. Wonderful. I just, now I'm just in a different season of life. Yeah. I have three little kids, so it's harder for me to do those things that I, I enjoy doing right now just because of the season of life we're in. Mm-hmm. So part of my own journey has been, you know, letting go of who I was in a previous season to embrace who I am now. Um, I feel like it's a constant humbling of that, of letting go of who I was and embracing who I am now. Mm-hmm. Not that it's lost. It just has a different expression now. Now yeah. it's just tea parties and <laughs> charcuterie for lunch with friends. And it just looks different. Yeah, and now we're getting chickens this weekend, too. And we are actually getting chickens this weekend. That joke will be more applicable. 20 chickens, 10 chicks, a couple cocks. Oh, my gosh. I do. Angela, I don't want to have to put the explicit rating on our Christian podcast, okay? the name of a male chicken. Roosters. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Okay. Uh, If you were expecting professionalism here, uh, go somewhere else. It's gone. We have fun. We do have fun. So um, we are going to do some question and response. We're not doing question and answer. 
we were taught this and it makes a lot of sense um, because we don't have the answers. Uh, Jesus has the answers. And so we're going to uh, respond to some questions um, just from our, our own experience mm-hmm. uh, based off of what people had asked. And a lot of it had to do with that one sentence that I said that um, what, honor without love. Well, let's just, can, can I back up? Sure. I posted this wonderful video of oh, you. Oh, yes, thank you. And you are so handsome. And you're like out there and you're just like, honor without love is just duty and obligation. And my inbox blew up like the 4th of July fireworks show. What does Greg mean by this? What does this actually mean? What does love look like versus duty and honor? Were and... you saying it in an accusational tone like that? No, I'm just trying okay. to like popcorn it with okay. intensity, like, yeah. you know, the 4th of July. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, it was, I had an overwhelming amount of response to handsome Greg saying these, <laughs> saying that one sentence. And it really it got people thinking about honor and love and duty and obligation and all of these things. And so we released that podcast on Friday. We tried to record <laughs> question and response last night and it did not work. So here we are Thursday. Yeah. Um, and you guys are going to be listening to this tomorrow. And uh, hopefully. We've responded to some people. So I just want to say, like, thank you for your responses. Yeah, we awesome. we genuinely love these conversations. We love hearing your feedback. We're not, most of the time, we're not offended by what you're putting in. And if you are, I'll just work my offense out with the Lord because it's probably something in me, not you. Um, but we love the feedback. Mm-hmm. We love the questions. We love the ponderings. We love hearing what's happening as you're listening to the podcast. And so if you're listening and you have, you know, an extra 30 45 seconds, write a review, say what's resonating and recommend us to someone else because we really genuinely love helping people through this journey of their heart. Angela slipping in the call to action. There it is. Thank you. Um, That's good. But the call to action was them sending me messages last week, which was great. You guys are already great at this. Please keep doing that. We we love it. The reason we're doing this is is for a relationship. And so it's really great. Yeah. Feel free to send in questions or things you want us to chat about. We're open to all of it. Suggestions, yes. We we don't promise we'll talk about no, it. No, we don't promise we'll talk about it. Even, even in preparing for this, so we have, I think, seven or eight questions. Um, and they were kind of distilled down from multiple questions that you got. There were a lot more questions than that. Um, or just comments around these things. But, like, what does this mean? And really, in reviewing them and praying about it, we saw uh, a core theme emerge of people just wanting to understand uh, relational boundaries in love yeah. and so a lot of the questions had to do with duty and obligation versus um, love-based honor yeah and like how can you yeah. tell the difference yeah how can i tell the difference externally how can i tell it internally in my heart we got a lot of questions around that yeah do you yeah. Want to... yeah i think i think we can just kind of start talking and so um really at the heart of this it, it's all it's all rooted in love. Everything mm-hmm. we do needs to be rooted in love. And so if we're talking about relationships, when we look at that example with Jesus starting off back at the, you know, the previous conversation, Jesus was in Nazareth with a whole bunch of people they knew. And he, he had been around for a while. Jesus was a builder. Um, and so he was a, a, you know, an established person in the community. That's where he grew up. Well, kind of, right? So he, he grew up there for a while. Like he was in <laughs> Egypt for a while. Mm-hmm. He was born in Bethlehem. But he grew up for Nazareth for a duration of time. We don't know exactly how long, mm-hmm. but you know, for for quite a while. He knew, and so, people knew his family there. Like he was yeah. known. Well, and and it was likely known that he was like the illegitimate child of Mary too, mm-hmm. right? So it's like it's like there's some precedent for the hyper religious culture at that time where people are like, this guy thinks. He's the Christ. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, this guy thinks he's Jesus because we know who he is <laughs> we now. We know he is now with Jesus. This guy thinks he's Jesus. Um, just Jesus. Just Jesus. Yeah. So, um, so relational context is super important. And, you know, even for us, what we've experienced um, with like a number of things is that the people closest to you quite often have a hard time seeing the change or the, the true nature that's, you know, you're becoming. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't give you the right to just say, I'm going to leave relationship and go find new people. But, you know, it's, it's in love, just being present and mm-hmm. revealing love to those people. And as that happens, 
They're like, wow, look at this amazing growth. And it's kind of like an iceberg situation where they, they might see the top 10% of the 90 that's underneath in your heart that's actually changing. That's true. And so, go ahead. Yeah, so you mentioned something there that, yeah. that resonates. is like the people closest to us generally have the hardest time seeing the change. Mm -hmm. And we chatted about this a little bit in the last podcast where it was that's because we're holding you know, that person to who they were mm -hmm. a couple minutes ago. So for us, I mean, even just in our own relationship, it's sometimes really hard for me to remember that God's doing something right now in Greg's heart. And Greg yesterday and Greg today are two different people. But my heart wants to hold on to the offense from yesterday um, or a week ago or two months ago or whatever. And I want some type of now this is me sharing my own journey, but I want some type of justice mm -hmm. or I want some type of vindication or Greg to say he was sorry or something like that. What did I do though? Nothing, <laughs> nothing, but um, just in our own relationship, like, and you are the closest person to me. And even I sometimes have a hard time remembering, oh yeah, Greg's in process and who he was yesterday isn't who he is today. And so keeping a short account with the Lord of who you were and am I holding a micro offense? And it's not like I'm massively offended with you and I'm storming out of our house and we're, you know, living in two different places and that kind of thing. But it's the micro offenses as they build up that mm -hmm. lead to not being able to see who someone is yeah. or it's the judgments. So I don't know how many of you are Enneagram people. I don't really want to know your philosophy on it <laughs> one way or the other. Um, uh, but if you are an Enneagram person, I'm a one. And so I have a very strong inner critic. And so I have this proclivity when I'm not being filled by the Lord to enter into judgment really quickly. Um, most of the time it's self-judgment. I have a really hard inner critic where I self-judge and I self-condemn and all of that kind of stuff. But every once in a while, if I'm feeling, uh, I don't know, frustrated or down or there's a lot of stress in my life, it <laughs> creeps itself up into mm -hmm. Greg. Greg's usually the secondary person that catches that um, judgment and that kind of thing. And usually when it creeps up at that point, then I can tell, ooh, I have some judgments and offenses that I want to work through. But I know we're chatting about honor and all of that, but judgments are a key thing that keep you out of honor. And oh, so absolutely. it's hard. Like this is not when we talk about honor and love based honor, it's not that we're perfect at it. It's a process. It's a relational process. Um, and so for me, if I can, I can tell pretty quickly if I'm honoring Greg or if I'm not honoring Greg and it could be like, I honor Greg in the morning and then something happens and then all of a sudden I'm not in honor anymore and I can tell. And it's a micro judgment. Well, may, may or it's an oh, unspoken yeah. expectation. Or it's 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 not like so I think we think it's these massive sins. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like um dis what is it? demystify a bit of what life in the spirit kind of looks like. It's not major yeah. things, it's little things in the heart. You said something earlier and I think it's really important to realize that offense unchecked will always lead to judgment. Like it really will. That's another one we're going to get a lot of questions. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so, such so but, a but, good one but you're, you're saying like a micro offense mm -hmm. in our marriage will lead to a judgment. So <clears throat> you're offended that I, let's get real. You're offended that a little bit that I didn't empty the dishwasher. I did it this morning. <laughs> um, yeah. But you're offended that I didn't empty the dishwasher. And so, but let me say, I, I, I probably wouldn't call it an offense. It is an offense. I would call it. I'm frustrated right. or I'm yeah. irritated yeah. or I'm like, uh, disappointed. Mm -hmm. But all of those words are just other words for offense. And then it leads to a statement, an internal statement that eventually becomes an external statement. Like you never empty the dishwasher. Yeah, but what my heart is actually saying is I can't trust you. Right. I can't trust you wow. to do the little things. And so it's these micro offenses of a breakdown in trust. For me, that's my heart. Now, there, and this will be another podcast. We'll probably invite Chris on to talk about it, but there's 16 core desires of the heart. So for me... My, my brother, Chris. Yeah, Just your brother, Chris. Those sorry. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> you who don't know yeah. I have a wonderful brother, Chris. I actually have two brothers, Chris. One on my brother, mom's side. Brother-in-law. My brother, yeah. Um, but my brother-in-law is absolutely incredible at... Um, really unpacking the things of the heart. But mm. so for me, like if I'm really drilling down to the tiny thing is that you didn't empty the dishwasher, but then my heart, my heart hears it as like, I asked you to do this. You committed to do this and then you didn't do it. You didn't come through for me. And so my heart then starts to think now I can't trust you to come through for me. Yeah. 
But again, like, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast yet, but everything that I'm experiencing in my relationships, I'm doing the exact same thing to God. And so at the end of the day, I can project it onto Greg all day long. You don't come through for me. You don't do this. But really, it's just revealing what's in my heart and where I'm still learning and growing in my relationship with God. I don't believe that God's going to come through for me. But I don't think I would tell God that I don't trust him. It's so much easier for me to just dismiss Greg. Like, I don't trust you, Greg. Well, basically, it would be more like a frustration. I'm frustrated with you. You didn't do this thing. Um, Because it's much, much easier to take it out on a person than to think that God's big enough to hear the same thing. Right. And then so that leads to duty and obligation based honor, meaning um, I'm, I'm in this marriage. I This is my husband and I need to honor him, but your heart isn't. Yeah. yeah. How many? And it, and I don't want to expose It goes, it goes people, vice versa. But too, like right? how many yeah. people, how many marriages, how many people do we sit with and we hear, we? it's like you can just look in their eyes. And you hear the way that they actually talk about their spouse and they have the right words. And, and, and we were yesterday on our podcast that you won't be hearing when we recorded for 45 minutes and it failed. It's okay. Um, we, <laughs> we kind of had this chuckle because I'm like, I feel like I plow revelation and God, the way that I'm wired is God will start doing something in my heart and takes me you know five years to get the language and then Greg because I'll he's my key processor like I process with him and I'll share like this is what I sense God's doing and I have an irk here and trying to figure out what the irk is and what God's trying to flip in my heart and Greg comes out with these beautiful distilled statements <laughs> like honor without love is just duty and obligation and he has another one which I'm going to ask him to share right now about what happens when your word, your act, and your being don't line up. Oh, that's that's not mine. That's our, one of our mentors. I and I'm happy to share But it's it. a beautiful distilled thing. And yeah. it, and for me, when we're chatting about honor, mm-hmm. like when people, their words say that they honor, but their actions and their being mm. don't line up. Right. Yeah, so we, um, we define corruption, and we've had corruption defined for us is when your word, your act, and your being, so what you say, what you do, and who you are, are not one and the same. And we are all corrupt. Everyone yeah. is corrupt. That's such a strong word. So it could... I, I, I know. I understand that it's a strong word, but it's, it's just true. I know. The, in our nature, we will say things and not do them, or we will do things that aren't in alignment with who we are. And that's actually part of how we parent and how we talk to each other. Last night we had a, had a we call it intense fellowship. We had a fight. Um, <laughs> intense fellowship. And, um, we did. and, you know, it's like, Angela, when this happens, you do this and it's not who you are. And so we, we try even in those moments to say, this is what you're doing, but it's not in alignment with who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're perfect at that either. But God is perfectly incorruptible. What He so this is the beauty of that revelation, and, and I won't go too far into it. But when God says something, He is doing it because it's who He is. Mm-hmm. That is crazy to think about. So when God spoke and creation, backwards, like who He says is what He's doing, or who He is is what He's doing in how He say, says it. It's like yeah. it goes back and forth right so the the example of in in creation he was speaking words and because it's what he was doing and who he is creation happened if in his words all provision for creation god said and then there was light and the expanse of the universe happened that is the power of the incorruptible god of love that we serve Mm -hmm. and so us in our imperfect nature, God sees us as, as perfect and perfectly love and all of that because he sees us in Christ. But um, in our imperfect nature, those things don't always line up. So back to the dishwasher, <laughs> I, I, we, we talked about this is a habit that uh, Angela would like me to empty the dishwasher with the girls before she wakes up because then it starts the day, the dishes are done. So there's an agreement. Um, and so that's what I said, but then I don't do it. And mm-hmm. maybe sometimes for legitimate reasons, maybe we had a brutal night with the kids or maybe, 
you know, they were super whiny in the morning or something. It doesn't yeah. really matter. I didn't do what I said I would do. Does that mean who I am is a person that is unreliable? Maybe a bit, but probably not that in my true core identity because that's not what we believe about each other. You said something really interesting, you know, like you're emptying the dishwasher and then some days you don't and all of that. And as a one, as an Enneagram one or whatever you want to call it, my, my wiring um, is to actually like hold your feet to the fire and be accountable. Like I need you to be accountable for where you messed up. And when I'm in performance and when I'm in duty and obligation, I really need you to say you're sorry. Like I really need you to own your mistake and say you're sorry. And I hold you to this, like, it's kind of what Paul was talking about in Galatians 4, where, you know, um, stepping back into you broke the rule and you need to repent for breaking the rule. Like the rule is empty the dishwasher. It's such a simple, small thing. Like I know we're kind of laughing about this, but my rule for you is like empty the dishwasher because it sets our day up and it sets responsibility. Um, and this is a funny example, but how many things in our hearts do we hold, have rules for, for people that uh, we don't even know are there? Mm -hmm. And how often, like I, I, it's such a small rule, empty the dishwasher. But then when you don't do it, I get so frustrated and I get so upset. And it's I'm glad just, you're saying it. like, I feel like, oh my gosh, can you just love me well? Like, can you just that and this is what's happening in my heart can you love me well can you just follow through on what you say and i go to this punitive state in my heart towards you of like now make it up to me you have to spend the whole rest of the day making it up to me so in that what's funny is i could come do the dishwasher after you get angry and it's not good enough it's not good enough anymore and that that's the crazy thing with forgiveness and offense uh -huh. is that even if the person did the thing that you'll get retribution for, it's never going to be enough. It's never enough. When your heart is in duty and obligation, mm -hmm. it's your duty, to, <laughs> it's your duty to empty the dishwasher instead of like honor, which says, oh, this actually sets our family up for success. It's, and, it's really just love. Though. And it's love. Yeah. Like, and, I love my wife and my family so much that I would love peace in our home and not to have chaos and invite that in through disorder. Mm -hmm. So... I, because I love my wife, that should, that it ideally is the motive of my heart, and I do love my wife, but that that should motivate my actions, and I don't want to should on myself even, but um, you know that's not necessarily what happens in the day to day because mm -hmm. other things come up that are maybe more urgent or in our face. Totally, but if we're in a rules based thing, which mm -hmm. if you guys don't know my story, I was like an epic rule follower. She's the chief Epic. rule follower. I am the chief rule follower. I, Paul and I, in the Bible, we get each other so well. So well. Um, we're epic rule followers until we're not. <laughs> until love gripped our hearts and then we're like, whoa. Um, but I was an epic rule follower and I have micro rules for so many people. So many things. So many relationships. I would have these micro unspoken rules. And those rules are all rooted in duty and obligation. Mm -hmm. This is how you interact with people. This is my ob obligatory way to interact with people. This is my, and what's been the most challenging is getting hit with love, realizing the new covenant, that there is only, only one rule, not 50,000 like my heart likes to keep a record of. Um, and that one love is love one another as I have loved you. Right? Like that is the rule. Which is the most frustrating rule because it's a relational rule. Why is that? Why is that frustrating for you? It's so frustrating because rules, like, if I'm being super honest, rules are like a guardian that I can hold people accountable for because I don't want to reveal my heart, and I don't want to reveal where I feel disappointed, or I don't want to be known in my disappointment, or I don't want to be known in my my inadequacies, or I don't want to be known in all of these other things. And so, if there's a rule. I can just hold people's people's feet to the fire in the rule. You broke this rule. You broke my trust. You did all these things. Instead of saying like, hey, I feel like we'll go back to the dishwasher because that's been our example. But like, I feel um, really disappointed in the fact that the dishwasher hasn't been done. And it feels like it sets my whole day off track. And then I feel like I'm behind 
And when I feel like I'm behind, I feel really inadequate. And when I feel inadequate, I feel shame. And I feel like I'm not going to get the things done that are going to be done. And then I step into performance trying to make up the whole day. And, and then I'm not loving our kids well. I'm not loving you well. Um, and it's not Greg's fault that the dishwasher is not empty. But this is what my heart is believing when I'm like really stressed out that the dishwasher is Or, or, or you, you could empty the dishwasher too. But it's a way that I can love you. And, yeah. And but it's so much thing. easier for me to blame shift and right. say it's your fault. Yeah. You didn't do this. This set my whole day up, which I have right. stepped into. Instead of just being like, wow, this is, this is what I'm feeling. I, f I feel like I don't have a partner. I don't feel like I don't have a teammate. I know that that's not the truth. Right. I know I have a teammate and I need to just be vulnerable and say like, I'm feeling this way. Can you just explain to me what happened so we can be on the same page so I don't feel alone, so mm -hmm. I can enter into understanding instead of accusation. Mm -hmm. um, and just seeking to understand. And so you, you've yeah. said that for years, you know, like seeking to understand before being understood. And then... <laughs> You know, the reality is sometimes, quite often, actually, you're, you're tired. Yeah. So being understood comes first, which is which is fine. And that happens for me, too. A hundred percent. And I know right, this fight. is such a small issue, the dishwasher, right? But, but it, it, it's just an example. It's an example. Bigger stuff that goes on. But it happens in businesses. Oh, you didn't come through on your project with the deadline. You yeah. didn't show up for practice on time with our athletes. Like You're not pulling your weight. You're not pulling your weight. You're not doing these things. And so the oh, dishwasher is a good one. just a small one. Campaign promise from the government. Yeah. And that they didn't pull through on it. Sorry, I just didn't no, want to No, it's just, it, but it, it expresses itself in so many different ways. Yeah. And so like the whole, I know our whole conversation is around duty and obligation versus love-based honor. So a key to tell if you're in duty and obligation mm -hmm. is is there this unspoken rule in your heart that you're holding someone to? Well, and if they break the rule, do they get a punishment? Is it a do you withdraw? Do you withhold? Do you accuse? It, like relational do, punishments. Do you judge? Do you judge? Like or we condemn. There's so many, so many relational punishments that we give people, which are probably worse than real life punishments. But we can um, withdraw. Mm -hmm. We can isolate. We can cast them out of our covering or our group or you're not in relationship with us anymore. We avoid judgment is a huge one. Gossip, slander. These are all relational punishments that we do to people when they break the rules. Shame. Mm -hmm. We shame people. Shame on you for doing this. Is Angela just made a sassy face after shame? <laughs> we shame. Oh my gosh. Like shame is the most relational punishment that is culturally norm. That is not kingdom norm. Yeah. We condemn people. Shame mm. and condemnation go hand in hand. We condemn them for their actions. If someone messes up relationally, if someone breaks a rule, how do you treat them? Well, and that, that guys ties back to the scripture that we talked about last time. Luke's, in Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because... How I memorized this, this is interesting, was it was judging, you will be judged, condemning, you will be condemned, forgiven, you will be forgiven. I, then clearly that's not what it says. But it's true, the antithesis of do not judge and you will not be judged. So the opposite of that is also true, judge and you will be judged. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to reap that in your life. Because if you're sowing judgment and condemnation and it compounds and builds... That's not going to be fun for you. Or if you're sowing shame, you're yeah. going to reap shame. If you're sowing dishonor, yeah, you're going to reap dishonor. Right. And so, but you, you said something that it's like it answers. I think probably five of these questions, <laughs> and it, it's really great. Um, it's it's the the one rule, the one law, uh, in the new covenant. Mm -hmm. So Jesus said it after he was resurrected: "Love one another as I've loved you." Yeah, actually, right. Paul even puts it in Galatians right after, well, in the chapter, I think it's chapter five with like life in the spirit. And he says the entire law, all of the rules are fulfilled by doing this one command. Love one another. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Love one another as yourself. And yeah. so uh, the yourself part is, uh, man, that's a hard one. Because I mentioned earlier, like, I have self-condemnation. I have self-judgments. 
right? Mm. So if I'm in this place of judging myself and condemning myself, and I'm sowing that, I'm going to reap it in my relationships with other people, whether I'm aware of it or not. And it doesn't mean I'm condemning other people because I'm too focused on myself. Honestly, I'm too selfish to condemn other people. I don't have time to condemn other people because I'm so focused on condemning myself. But I still reap it. Or I I don't reap it. It's a perceived reaping. Mm-hmm. I perceive condemnation from other people. I perceive judgments. And then out of that, I'll just like avoid. All right. So what I'd like to do here is go through and read some of these questions that people wrote in and just address how the law of love really is the solution for most, if not all these questions. So the first question is what does duty and obligation based honor versus love based honor look like? It's a great you, question. How can you tell the difference? Um, my, my thing is like, do you feel obligated to honor them? Like it, it's an, it's an internal state of your heart. The, the, the crazy thing in the kingdom is we can have the external same actions but a completely different internal heart state. So I'm actually going to go through each of these because I actually, I think that one thing, the law of love answers all of these things. You know in your heart, are you seeing this person, how Jesus sees them? Do you, are you participating in the love that Jesus has for this person? And, and if you are, love-based honor will flow from your heart and God will reveal offense to you. And how to work through that. Listen to the last podcast if that's, <laughs> if that's something you want. We also have, we're going to be having a resource of heart forgiveness. So if it's something you want, please message us. We'll send it to you. Of just a basic framework of heart forgiveness. Um, and so how can you tell the di- difference? Again, you're going to feel obligated to someone. Versus like, I just love them. It doesn't mean you don't have maybe hard conversations sometimes. But it does mean that you see them through the eyes of Jesus. I have. I have a great metric. This is my rule follower metric. Um, uh, in previous seasons of my life, I stepped into a lot of duty and obligation, honor. And what was happening in my heart was I knew like, okay, I have to honor this person because it's the right thing to do. And if I don't, then I get a punishment. Mm. And I wouldn't say, and punishment's a strong word. So it's like, if I don't, then someone's going to have a conversation with me about my behavior. Or then someone's going to come and bring correction if I don't say this right thing. Or if I don't show the actions of honor, then some type of punishment will come. And my heart knew, because I was an epic rule follower, what the punishments were going to be like i i had this innate ability still do to step into a culture and see rule punishment rule punishment rule punishment um it was something as simple as like if i sat i love my nashville days i sat in the front row at church Mm. i knew i knew i knew i knew i knew that i was going to get some type of conversation and it wasn't going to be a love-based conversation it was going to be a shame-based conversation you shouldn't do that. You couldn't do that. You're not supposed to. All of those types of things. Um, and that's such a small, a small, minuscule thing where you sit in church. It doesn't matter. Um, but I knew, my heart knew the rules. Okay, honor. And I, and I was so twisted in what I thought honor actually looked like. Honor looks like this. Like, um, and I had these like a warped view of honor, but honor call someone a name, like get uh, honor, honor consistently uses someone's title honor. And I, and I have to put honor in. I, I feel like at this point I need to replace honor with obligation. Obligation yeah. says someone's title obligation, um, <clears throat> diminishes myself so that someone else can, can have their time obligation, uh, performs. I'm going to perform. I'm going to, do all these right actions. I'm going to do all these things. Obligation, uh, shames. Like, and, and at, at that point I just started shaming myself. I was so good at shaming myself because I knew what the rules were. And I, I understood very quickly how they punish people. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest thing is that obligation kept me from sharing my mistakes mm-hmm. and, and taking a risk. And that's when I knew I was in a duty honor based, I mean, a duty obligation based culture. And my heart knew it. Because I got literally almost paralyzed from making a mistake. 
I would be so afraid if someone found out I made a mistake if I showed up five minutes late to something or if I forgot to wear perfume or if I forgot to brush my teeth and my my breath smelled bad because if I prayed for someone it would they would you know smell my breath and then it wasn't revealing God the right way you know mm. um or like I didn't wear clothes long enough to cover my butt like I had jeans on but I had to wear a long shirt like I hated that one. Oh my gosh like but my heart knew and I was so like I started living my life terrified of making mistakes which wasn't who I was I actually encourage mistakes. I think we learn from them, but I was paralyzed. Mm. And that's when I knew I was in a duty, obligation, rules-based culture because in that sense, honor doesn't make mistakes. Honor is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so that even kind of ties into the next question is how do you get love-based honor in your heart? It's it, Honor is just a fruit of love. Mm -hmm. So I think the question is how do we get more love in my heart? And it, it's a relational dynamic with, with Jesus. You, you actually begin to receive loves. So the way you get love based on in your heart is just begin to receive his love in relationship. Learn how to have a dialogue and a conversation. It's not necessarily reading your Bible only, although that's a great place as well. Knowing the word is important, but do you know the author? Mm -hmm. like the person. The person of love himself who who inspired the words that were written, are you connecting with him? Mm -hmm. That's super important. So here are some other questions. I'm not well, rapid just, fire. Well, hold on. Like a love-based honor culture. Can we just give some key indicators of what a love-based honor culture would look like? Mm, not, not yet. Let's go through a little bit because we're actually going to talk about that okay. in a moment. Like okay. Those are some of the questions. Yeah, okay. Okay. So you mentioned this before. How do I walk in honor with authority? Um, or with or with authority or a partner when they don't want to honor basically like someone who's in the positional authority um so get ready guys it's another big bang on so <laughs> you said it last week and a lot of people responded to it. so someone asked um how do you walk in honor with authority or partner when they don't walk in honor so that could be like um like a pastor or like a ceo or like a government official or a Parents. spouse Oh, what who, parents? Your parents. Your parents. What, what other kinds of things do you think? Teacher. A teacher. Yeah. A manager. Yeah. Could be a coworker. Yeah. Someone in authority or over yours, even that you're walking with closely, a friend. Mm -hmm. And um, and they don't walk in honor. So here's something that we've come to understand is that positional authority is no authority at all. Um, in the kingdom. But relational authority is actual true authority. And so what that means is, um, if I have a role or a title, that doesn't give me true authority in someone's life. When I have a true relationship and I know their heart, that gives me authority. And Jesus did this incredibly well. He led, people called him rabbi, people called him master. He didn't respond to those titles. He responded to three titles. Son of man, son of God, and son of Adam. Those are the three things he called himself because he knew who he was. He wasn't trying to lord things over. I know that sounds crazy. I'm the son of God. Uh, but it's truly who he was. So he knew who he was and he lived from that place. And his disciples, they followed him, but he loved them as equals. And so that you know led way to the new covenant where Peter was the first among equals as an apostle. Yeah, I... I love biblical examples. What's coming to my heart is your personal example sure. of our previous season um, when we were in campus ministry mm -hmm. and our fearless leader uh, would not give you a title. Mm -hmm. And what, what was your heart journey with that? Because Oh, you want me to reveal that? Yeah, well, it was like your heart desperately wanted the right. title to have the authority. And there is something that God was doing in your heart. And I'd love for you to share that process because yeah. it was a beautiful process. Painful. Yeah, it was super painful. <laughs> but beautiful. Thanks a lot, Brant. Um, <laughs> we love you so much, Brant. No, it was, it was exactly what God was doing for me in that because yeah, really what it has produced as a fruit now is, is authority to speak into people's life because we understand true relationship. Um, but it was super painful because I wanted to be seen as a leader to have power or authority mm -hmm. or something 
Um, and that's what roles tend to do in people's hearts is it says, look at me, I'm so powerful. Um, at you me, have I'm to listen charge. to me. You have to obey me. This is this all just slavery-based mindset, um, really, at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's not sonship. It's not king. It's not family. And so for me in my heart, I was always like a leader or a captain on a sports team in a classroom setting in most settings you know angela and i are both former high performers and <clears throat> hopefully still kind of but not in a like a false identity sense. um <laughs> but uh you know we just want to perform from a place of love now and um and so what god was working out in my heart in that season was needing the role to actually carry influence needing and, the title Right. Well, the, the title is, is associated with the role to me. It's yeah. like, oh, you're, you're the leader, the manager, whatever. But really, I lost influence because I was trying to seek that thing in power with those people. Yeah. And, uh, and it became super painful. And, and so God, God is, he restored it in that season in a way. But, um, you know, even still, like, it, it caused such offense. This is where we learn this message of offense, I think. <laughs> I was the key catalyst of offense. <laughs> and then I got offended based off of that. Mm -hmm. And so um, thanks for bringing that up. I'm just kidding. No, thank you. Because I, I think it's really important that we share this. Oh, but just this, our own stories with this. Yeah, right? but like, the, the actual weight on it, understanding that true authority is, is in relationship. And mm -hmm. so whether it's with your pastor or with your boss or in a way with your government official, um, like, you know, you might not have close proximity but I, I think I mentioned this yesterday when our, in our take one. Um, but you can have a 30-second exchange with someone. And there is so much love and anointing in that 30-second exchange that it, it would surpass hours and hours with that person. Yeah. Because love is at the core of it. And, and they feel God's love. So you can have that if you would write a government official and saying hey, I noticed this stuff and mm -hmm. my, my heart is to serve you as our leader and to just let you know this might be a blind spot or whatever, but you need to check your own heart. Is, hey, is, is this rooted in love? Is this what God is doing? Um, it's the same thing with the boss. Yeah. Same thing with the pastor. Are you trying to get close in proximity to a pastor to feel like you are important or are you doing that because that's what God's doing? Mm-hmm. It's a great thing. Like that—that's—that's that's really is the question. Um, yeah. So I think what what what's um, interesting about your story is, and a key question to ask yourself if you're on Greg's journey, similar to Greg's journey, and I went through a similar season before we got married of where I was doing a lot of I did like what five people's job, six people's job, five people's and job, my like heart, to hire five people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's hard is like my heart knew I was a leader. My heart knew I had the capacity to lead healthy teams, to create healthy cultures. Mm -hmm. um, but I was never given the title. Never. I, I, I like almost honestly dishonored um, in some ways and constantly had correcting conversations like you shouldn't be leading like this. Men are to do this. Women are not. We can have a whole story for another day about that. But um, what God, the question that came to my heart in both of our journeys and if you're on this journey of you know i have these things in my heart but it's not being seen or it's not being known or it's being dishonored is what would that title give you hmm. because if you're leading so that you can get recognition or you're leading so that you can feel significant or you're leading so that you can be given more power those are all key heart motives that god is rooting out in this season and it's not that you're being dishonored um, and I have learned this. We had, you know, Brant loved us so well. Brant um, was our, uh, our, our former leader, our former, pastor. Former at, pastor uh, before we moved. Yeah. Um, and he loved us so much. Mm -hmm. And he knew what God was doing in our heart. And my heart felt at some seasons like he's dishonoring Greg by not giving Greg a title. And Greg's doing all these things. Um, and Brant knew. He knew what God was doing in Greg's heart of rooting out this need to have a title to have authority so interestingly brent had said he prayed about it. he wanted to give it to me too because he he loved me like 
as as a son yeah. and it was like oh, i'd love to give that to greg and prayed and god's like nope yeah and so brant painfully chose to stand in the gap on my behalf for years years and allow this thing to be mined out of my heart which was it's it was like a pretty core thing it was a core thing and it and was messy there I, was I, I don't know if it's done <laughs> but like it's it's you know because it, it's a process we, we have default settings in our heart yeah and god is uprooting those default settings and it takes time so next time i hope it takes way less time than yeah. it did but yeah so we're so grateful for people who love us but the key question mm, like this yeah. instead of projecting and assuming that um because this question was like how do you honor people if they're not honoring you and all of that yeah. there's a few things in that question as i respond one what's your definition of honor are mm. you is honor rooted in like significance and being seen and being known and celebrated for who you are and all of those types of things and are you is it a warped desire where you're looking to get that filled from authority yeah um and the second thing is what are you trying to get um, yeah. because the thing about it is, and this is again in Galatians, when he goes through the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the next line is against such things, there is no law. There's no rule. Mm -hmm. So if you're honoring, and I put that in quotes, if you're honoring to get something back, there is a rule in your heart. I don't know what the rule is. It could be anything mm -hmm. um because there's a transaction love-based honor yeah. gives it as a gift and it gives it freely without an expectation of it coming back to you mm. that's how you can tell you're in love-based honor is i can look at this person and i can serve them i can love them i can see who they are in christ and i can offer love joy peace patience kindness i can offer a full version of myself even if I get reprimanded, even if I get critiqued or whatever, I'm offering myself as a gift and I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm not expecting to be seen. I'm not expecting to be known or acknowledged or loved or whatever. That's how you can tell love-based honor has come into your heart and you're operating in a different kingdom. Mm -hmm. Well, And that even ties back to this question, um, when someone wants to be called by their positional authority like for example and this is fine but it's it's in the church someone's like call me pastor i think it's only in the church because you don't really walk around with a lot of dwight's like i'm an assistant manager uh, assistant. assistant to the regional manager <laughs> call me assistant to the regional manager dwight well he says uh assistant regional manager assistant regional manager yeah. yeah yeah but um, how often it doesn't really happen in the business place where it's like call me ceo or yeah. call me vp or i i don't want to uh i don't want to dwell on this too long. It does it with doctors, right? Call me doctor, um, which is fine. But yeah, and they've, they've learned that. I think that's helpful to understand the positional authority in that situation mm -hmm. that they're the professional. But, but you, you just said it. They earned it. And so what happens is same thing in the church, same thing as a doctor, because we've seen doctors walk in humility and then we've seen doctors walk yeah, in arrogance. That's true. And so if you're using your title as an earned None position. None of the doctors we know, though. None of the doctors. Maybe one or two. Well, that we've had. None <laughs> that of we've our had. friends that have become doctors. Um, but if you're using your title as an earned position, that someone has to call you this because you earned it, you're in entitlement. Yeah. And your title is in duty and obligation. It's your duty because I earned this title to honor me this way. Don't you know the sacrifice I paid for this title? Call me this title. Mm -hmm. That's what the, the heart is saying. Well, and the, let's see the flip side, though, when someone wants to be called that, right? So, hey, I want to be called, like, your pastor saying, call me pastor, whatever. And um, what you need to do in that situation, what I would do is, just, again, we're always going to point you back to, to God. So, Jesus, what are you doing in that situation? Is this person... Sometimes maybe their heart is so stuck in juvenile that the most loving thing to do is actually call them that thing. And you're doing that from a place of love, not obligation. Yeah. Sometimes it might be, mm, no, no, that's <laughs> not who God's wired you to be because you're not a pastor. You're, you're a teacher, you're a prophet or whatever. Um, and so really it's always just asking, asking God what he's doing and how do we participate. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe the, the last question, there's a couple other ones um, about forgiveness. Um, 
so we have a couple forgiveness questions and a culture question. I'd like to wrap up on those in the next few minutes if we can, but yeah. um, let's talk about forgiveness quick. So can, can this is, I know, can I ask the question? Cause I know. Sure. So the way it came in, it came in from a lot of you. So again, thank you for trusting us and sharing kind of where your heart's at um, is how do I know if I'm doing duty and obligation based forgiveness versus love based forgiveness, heart-based forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say you would understand that. And this is, it's actually pretty simple. <laughs> Are you still triggered by that person? Um, is there still tension when you're around that person? Mm -hmm. um, can you, if the Lord is speaking through them, can you receive what they're saying? Yeah. Those are key indicators that you've, it, if you have done heart forgiveness, true heart forgiveness, you won't be triggered um, or as triggered. Maybe there's an area of your heart that wasn't highlighted in that time of doing the forgiveness. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I can add to that. Um, I think a couple other questions are, do they still owe you something? Yeah. Do you still feel injustice? Do you have this thing in your heart that's like, well, someone needs to say something about all of these things that this person has done key indicators that there's still heart forgiveness. Um, and we talked about this in the last podcast, so please go back and listen to it again. But there is something actually powerful that happens when you count the cost. Um, and we count the cost. I don't want to say like daily, but at least weekly we're counting. Like Greg's in a heart process right now around provision. <clears throat> and when he stepped into this process, I was chatting with the Lord. I'm like, okay, you know, how long is this going to take and all of that? And God gave me some insight. And, uh, but the one thing I remember the Lord saying is you're going to have to count the cost regularly. And because the cost of what it's cost us for Greg to be in this heart process, um, is stress or for me, stress or, uh, mis misunderstandings, all of these types of things. And so heart forgiveness isn't a one time thing with someone. If you're actually operating in love-based relationships, heart forgiveness is happening on the regular because our hearts are leaky. My heart's leaky. Your heart's leaky. Our kids' hearts are extra leaky. <laughs> like um, Your pastor's heart is leaky. Your boss's heart is leaky. And so I want to caution you that if you think you've done the heart forgiveness and you've checked the box and you think that you're done, um, it's a very dangerous place to be. It's actually kind of prideful because heart forgiveness, we, our hearts keep a count. They keep a record consistently. And we have to consistently, like, um, how, how do I want to say this? Your heart keeping a record is just pride. And humility is actually giving that record consistently to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So if you're not consistently handing over your record book to the Lord, you're likely in some form of pride. And if you're like, well, I'm unoffendable and I'm not this and I'm not that, bull crap. You're human and you're fallible and your heart is still keeping score. So I would say you're probably either stuffing it or you're numbing it or you don't feel safe enough to share the records of your actual heart. Um, but heart forgiveness is a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And when we're in conversations with people and as you begin to learn life in the spirit, there's actually, you know how you can feel the fruits of the spirit, like you can feel joy, you can feel peace, you can, a, a, a discernible shift. Um, you can discern forgiveness because forgiveness again is a fruit of the spirit. So when people are telling us stories like, oh yeah, I've forgiven them and I've done this and I'll look over at Greg. <laughs> and you, cause you can, you can feel the fruit of forgiveness because it's from the kingdom, just like you can feel love from the kingdom, peace from the kingdom, patience from the kingdom, self-control from the kingdom. Um, you can't perform a fruit of the spirit. You cannot perform forgiveness. And a lot of us perform forgiveness because we know it's the right thing to do. But when we perform forgiveness without actually counting the cost and doing heart forgiveness, you've just stepped back into performance-based forgiveness because mm. you still have your record. They still have a debt that they owe you. And it's a debt that your heart is remembering. So whether you're aware of it or not, that's, that's a key conversation for people around you that love you. Hey, 
have you been able to see recently where my heart is keeping score? I ask this to Greg regularly. Can you tell where my heart is keeping score still in some things, the dishwasher, um, our finances or the disappointment, like there's different areas. And so love based honor consistently hands its record over to the Lord mm -hmm. and keeps no record of wrong. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, that would lead to the next question like, and the final one of um, what does duty and obligation culture look like versus love-based culture look like? And everything that we just said of your <laughs> internal reality of heart forgiveness and of love um, is true in an external culture. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think we actually need to rehash a whole bunch of stuff there because it, it really is just equally true but in your external relationships. Yeah. So if you're responsible for a culture, for example, like in your home with your kids, if you have a business, if you are going into positions of authority um, in your business as a manager or in government or as a pastor, then you get, you know, a promotion and understanding that you're developing this culture. And so as you develop a culture of love, uh, honor's going to flow. But yeah. if you're developing a culture of um, identity-based performance, so what, what we mean by that is where you are getting your identity from your performance as opposed to operating from a place of identity and performing mm -hmm. from there. So it's, it's the difference of for identity and from identity, where I'm performing for identity versus I'm performing I'm from identity. identity. Yeah, exactly. I'm honoring from identity or I'm honoring for identity. Um, you know, really, that, that is the sentence, though, isn't it? Yeah. If I'm honoring from identity... From I'm, sonship. Really, and that is... This, well, it's, it's sonship, it's friendship, covenant friendship, it's being the bridegroom. And if I'm honoring from that place, I'm not an obligation of duty. But if I'm honoring for that, for something, so if I, um, if I am honoring you for an ulterior motive in my heart, I'm not doing it from a place of identity. So if I'm honoring you for identity, I want to be close in proximity to you. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm trying to get something from you in reciprocity, in, in exchange rather than a kingdom exchange. Yeah. Um, do you want to know how you can tell if you have a for instead sure. of a from? Fear. Yeah. Tell me more. Fear, you can tell your heart is doing something for identity if there is a subliminal fear there. Fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of punishment, fear of retribution. I always get afraid of like, oh no, I'm going to have a consequence. Um, fear of shame. Fear of... Fear, fear of losing position. Fear of losing your fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And so the thing about it is that love and fear cannot coexist in the same, same thing. So when you're doing something from identity, you can feel the love. Mm -hmm. There's no fear. I'm not afraid of being misunderstood. I'm not afraid of being rejected. I'm not afraid of being abandoned. I'm not afraid of triggering someone. Um, I'm not afraid of being seen. I'm not afraid of being known. I'm not afraid of being shamed for being vulnerable. I'm not afraid of uh, giving this idea with the fear that someone's going to steal it. That like fear, and there are like a hundred million different, a thousand different ways that you can drill something down to fear. But when you're doing something for identity, there's always a fear attached. And so it's drilling it down to what's the fear? If I don't get this thing, if I don't do this thing, then X, Y, Z, and that would help you drill down, start drilling down to what the fear is. Then they'll say this about me. Then you have a fear of your reputation, fear of losing your reputation, fear of protecting people or that you didn't protect people. There are so many different ways fear mm -hmm. comes out. Yeah. Um, and your way of controlling is through performance, yeah. is through duty-based obligation, duty-based honor. That's good. <laughs> nice love. Well, 
We want to thank you for, for joining us on our podcast today. And uh, we do want to invite you into a relationship with. And so if anything stood out to you, um, you want to have a conversation, have questions, please reach out on Instagram to either Angela or myself. Um, I think our, our links are in the bio. It'll be um, at the Well Exchange. Reach out to us on our website if you're interested in hearing more about what we do with our business and how we, um, how we help executive coach people through through life and their business and, and really how to bring the kingdom of God to bear in those things. And, uh, and yeah, so thank you so much for joining us and until next time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'd love to hear from you. So please find us at The Well Exchange on Instagram and send us a message.